Welcome, everybody, to the best podcast in the world. This is your favorite host, Nick Tibuzek, and with me is Rado, the boss, Bossage. Yo, 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 what's up? That was a short one. Let's get it on because we want to tackle the topic. Just get right into it. That's it. The topic today is how to increase your pull-up strength. And that's going to be an interesting one because we have to dive into this. All right, let's talk about it. What is the best vertical pulling that you can actually do? Would you say it's better to do chin or pronated grip, supinated or pronated or a neutral grip? Is there a big difference? Or would you say, wait, where do you can use more muscle fibers? No, of course, like you can't have a single answer in that because, uh, yeah, when you look at the top pullers in the world, it's not like each one of them pulls in a chin-up grip. Mm. There are a lot of strong athletes who pull still really heavy um, in a pull-up grip. Mm. You know? So you can't really say for everyone, the chin-up is the easier variation. And it's something that a lot of people kind of go into. They fall into the trap of thinking the chin-up, A, it's an easier variation, thus I can lift more weights and I'm on rep max. You know, yeah. That simply isn't the case for the whole population. Yeah. You will have people who pull better with a pull-up grip, so a pronated grip, simply because their biomechanics work that way and they have better leverages and suit them better, that suit them better to actually pull um, in a pronated grip. Absolutely. But what we can definitely say, it's, it is easier to close with the chin-up grip, mm -hmm. so it, in a supinated variation, you definitely have a little bit of an advantage in the in the closing position. But when you look into um, how how you where do you have troubles, then it's most of the time when you when you have a chin-up at halfway. Yeah, that's the hardest position because you're most far away from the bar and. When you when you look at the center of mass, it's at that point. It's a, in a, in the in the shittiest position. So that's some some position where it, it is really really hard. And that's in the in the pull up most of the time a little bit easier, but it is a lot harder to close in the pull up. Mm. And that depends a little bit on how long are your forearm, forearms and um, how long are actually your arms and. Where is your um, where are your lats set up and all that stuff? So in the end, that's a very individual thing. But we have to talk about how to increase that, no matter what. So in the end, it makes absolutely sense to look into the motion of of the of the pull up and check out where is my weakness. And that's something we're, what we're going to talk about today because um, how to increase your pull strength is something when you fix the weakness, you will be a lot stronger. And that's that's the stuff that we're going to talk about today. So um, what you ha might have to find out for yourself is a little bit, are you training specific enough in the right grip for you? So... 
that is not done by, okay, I maxed out every grip and at this one, I'm strongest. You have to try every grip for a certain time, let's say three months or something like that, with the same rep range, the same intensities and see, okay, this one works best for me in terms of progress. Because you will have different starting points depending on where you, where you actually started. Because when, when you never did your neutral grip, because you always were training on the straight bar, you never did the neutral grip, you may be not the strongest at the neutral grip. And this might be your strongest pull. And you just have to get used to it. And then you see how the progress is evolving. And that's the most important part. You have to track down that and see, okay, that's the actually from, from, in, from the view of, of progress, that's the one where I progress the best. So probably that's my strongest pull. It's not always about the one I am because that's depending on the circumstances that, that you already had set before. So for, for me, as an example, I'm pretty strong in, in neutral grip. I think that's my strongest one, but I'm also okay-ish with the chin-up. I do have some troubles because of my biomechanics with closing the chin-up. And I'm not as good in, in, in pull-ups as I should be. And this now sounds like I can't even pull. <laughs> I'm, I'm not so shitty at, at pulling. <laughs> at 100 kg body weight, 72.5 is okay. <laughs> that's... Yeah, I mean, if you go above the 70 kg mark, that's good pulling. Yeah, I, I think so too. It's <laughs> good pulling. Um, but uh, to, to check out where's your, your best pull is something that is very important because um, once you found that, you push that and all the other ones will profit from that. And that's a very important one here. Um, when, you, when, you, when you actually push the strength there, the rest will profit. And that's very, very important to understand that, yes, you do specific work for the best pulling of you and the rest will follow because it's not like the, it's completely different muscles and the body is absolutely not used to it. You know, okay, I have to train on a straight bar because it's so specific to the competition. I wouldn't say so. In, in competitions, usually you have pull-ups and chin-ups. Yes, but that doesn't mean you can't train in a neutral grip in the off-season, far away from the competition for maybe like half a year or something, only neutral. And then going into competition phase and um, having like three months of specific chin-ups or pull-ups, whatever is be better for you in terms of the competition. So that's something you can easily do when you have the circumstances for that. So as an example, I know you, Rado, mm -hmm. you just have a straight bar. You can only do straight bar pulling. <laughs> yeah, but to kind of piggyback on what, everything that you said, like you perfectly described what my situation was. When I came to work with you, I always thought that the pull-up was the more dominant exercise for me and the better one long-term to pull more weight. And that's only because I never honestly did chin-ups for a longer period of time. And I had no clue where my chin-up was actually at, you know, yeah. I just thought, all right, chin-up never felt really good for me. Um, that's why I never did it. It's probably not the stronger leg for me. 
-hmm. And then as we implemented the chin-up, did it over a longer period of time, boom, all of a sudden the chin-up is stronger than the pull-up, you know? And afterwards, after the competition, it was off-season and you built in pull-ups instead of the chin-ups. I did them for a couple of months. And when I went back to the chin-up, the chin-up was stronger. You know, so it's this change of variation that you mentioned, the off-season, far away from the competition. You actually have, when you push the movement, you still have the benefits and the carryover to the other one, even though it might not seem as specific. You know, Absolutely. that's, yeah, that's exactly, I, ever, I felt everything that you said. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's, let's go into something that is also very important. Um, what I really experienced is do not go on an RPE 9 or 10 on the pulley. Never, ever. No, don't do that. Actually, I've seen that with so many clients of us. Stick with an RPE 7 or 8 and you're in the best range of progress you usually have. This is very, very specific to pulling. But when you max it out, you kill, you kill the momentum. Every time I did that, I killed the momentum. That is so important to keep that in mind. <laughs> Absolutely. I had it so many times, you know, pulling, it's just affected by so many things. And even a slight change in the smallest details can have profound effects on the performance, like a point to change of a body weight, for example, or a different chain or a different bar, you know, different grip. Everything can have a detrimental effect on your pulling performance, you know, so just keep it light. Seven to eight RPE, as you noted, over a long period of time, and you're good to go. Yeah, absolutely. So what I have on my list is um, we can definitely talk about partials. Mm -hmm. how, how do you like partial reps? Yeah, uh, it's something that was first introduced to me by you. Like I never did partials before. And the first time, the first time I did them was um, the one plus one and a half variation where you actually practice exactly the part that you mentioned with the chin-up, the second part, you know, where you stop at that uh, almost 90 degree elbow flexion position, which is usually the toughest part, as you said, and then you go back up. I found that really, really helpful for me uh, because it kind of gave me the opportunity to have more practice and more experience with that later part of the movement. And, you know, some people say that it doesn't have a carryover to normal reps, it might not have, but this practice aspect is really important, I think, because it helps you kind of grow more confidence with the movement. And then when you go back to the normal one, you'll probably be better at it because you have more practice with it, you know? What I actually experienced there was um, what, something that, that is extremely underrated, but, um, you know, when you come back, you do your first rep, you go over the bar with the chin, Mm -hmm. And then you bounce back to halfway, this 90-degree position, and then you have to stop the force that's, that's bringing you back down. And you have to stop it and bring it back to, to, so, so to bring your chin back over the bar. That's pretty much the same thing that you are doing to the, um, to the hemis in the RDL. You stop it in the air. You have to work against gravity at that point a lot while you're really under tension and this 
forces your biceps to bring much more power into this and it forces your biceps to, to, to grow a lot more. So in terms of hypertrophy, far away from a competition, this is actually a very good exercise to do it as an ex assistance exercise. That's not a main exercise. So that's when, when you remember what you did, it was always as an assistance exercise mm -hmm. to your main work with low reps, like four, maybe six when you're very strong. But actually, when you do these, you, you will feel how hard they are when you do them with control. It's so hard to do them. And mm. there's also the possibility of doing partials in the lower range. So from, from a straight arm into half of it, back, and then doing a full rep. Would be the same thing. But we have to say at that point, most of the time that that would train the lats a little bit more yeah most of the time the lats are not the problem for the person because most of the people have pretty strong lats and the weak point is more of the biceps for most people in pulling or it's the shoulder girdle and to activate the shoulder girdle it might be a good thing but you have to really focus on that The scapula moving the right way is the more, more important part. And I would personally, personally say there are better ways to train that. So for me, the lowest part of a pull-up to train it double is for most people not the, the, the important part. There may be exceptions, as there are always, but for most people, the lower part of the pull-up is not the issue. The issue comes always at the half and the upper part. Mm. No matter if it's chin-up or pull-up or neutral grip, the lower part, everyone can pull the first part. Except of you're very, very weak and you may do your first pull-up or pull-ups. All right. And you're still in the progress of learning something new. That's, that's completely different to experienced lifters. Mm. And as you said, like for most people, that second part is just, is the harder one. Um, as you noted, like the bicep has to work a lot more and also um, the shoulder girl. And when you look at it, where does the loss of elevation usually ha happen? It's exactly at that halfway point. Yeah. No, it doesn't happen at the bottom. Like nobody, I mean, most of the people won't start pulling with an elevated scapula. That's really rare. You know, mm -hmm. they maintain good depression, good positioning of the shoulder blades. And then as they, as they come closer to the end position, the, the scapula, yeah, exactly. They lose it. You know, so that's, that makes perfect sense. I'm absolutely with you at that point. So this is also why you can implement some other stuff like pause reps and stuff like that. And um, just to give a little bit more stimulus into a certain position to make the person understand okay that's the position you should have at that point so everybody is so much about yeah but uh past reps mm, when it comes to pull-ups this is only to understand your positioning this is not for strengthening this is only for understanding where you have to position something And this is something you may do that for maybe four to eight weeks, not longer usually. You don't do pause reps 
with a lot of load or something, it's an easy thing usually. When I do past reps, I do that, I do that body weight. Because it's for me more of, okay, Nick, where's your positioning? And that's not only about the shoulder blades. This is also about where are my hips? Where's my center of mass? And it may be that I add on some light weight, maybe from, I don't know, two and a half up to 20 maximum. But past reps with 40 kg is for most people, it's just not needed. I mean, you have a lot of people who are doing that maybe with the chin over the bar to give a little bit more impact to that position. And that can help for those who have to do the competitions in uh, like, like the ISF and stuff like that, where you have to hold the mm. chin over the bar. When it comes to competitions like that, it is, it is something that makes absolutely sense to, to bring that in because it's specific to the competition that you want to do. It makes absolutely sense. But for most people who are just trying to get stronger at that and may sometimes do some competitions and stuff, then you don't need to do past reps with a lot of weight. Do some uh, past reps makes sometimes a little bit of sense, but have in mind you don't you don't really want to to put too much pressure on all the ligaments and all that stuff when you do the past reps because that's something I experience with a lot of people when you do past reps like halfway past and stuff like that. A lot of people um, really fuck up the elbows, mm-hmm. and something that I also saw a lot. Pass in the middle at 90 degree, completely losing the scapula and pulling up. And that's not the point about it. So when, when that happens, the weight was too heavy for you. And I, I don't mean that in an aggressive way or something. For me, you know, I want you to improve that. Put the weight down. Use a weight the way you can actually position your scapula in a very good way and then do it again because that's that's assistance this is to assist your main lift it's not a main lift and that's very important to understand at that point so to bring that in i think that that's a very important one because i've seen it so often Mm. how about variations Mm. different groups no no, not only uh, grips, but also different pulling variations, like like a Gironda or something like the Gironda. Something like the Gironda, yeah. Gironda's man, it's such a, a lovely variation, and it's a one that's basically a combination of vertical pulling and horizontal pulling. As you come closer to the end position of the pull, it becomes more horizontal. Mm-hmm. And of course, because it's like that, it will probably go more on your mid back and it will hit your traps and rhomboids, rhomboids in a different way than a normal pull up does, you know? And for people who have like issues with um, maintaining scapular positioning, especially in that retracted state, uh, it can make absolute sense to implement the Gironda pull up, you know? Yeah. And I have to say, as a muscle mass builder, Mm. I would say that's also a very, very, very good variation as when you look at the movement, you have 
an activation of all lab fibers that are there, the horizontal and the vertical ones. You have them all in there. As when you, when you look at it, the position of, of your elbows during a gerunder um, stand and pull up is always in front of your body. So vertical, 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 vertical. Then your elbows reach your, your torso and you lean more back and pull backwards. And that most of the time leads to having the elbows right in the in perfect position to bring in the horizontal fibers a little bit more and of course work the shoulder girdle a lot so yeah. when when you look at how that moves that's one of the best pulling movements that i've ever seen in my mm -hmm. opinion the gironda standing pull up is for those who are actually training for health the best pull up you can do yeah to kind of catch up onto that hypertrophy um, aspect of the exercise when you look at the last position that you're in when you close the movement like this extreme extension that you have in the spine that's also connected to glute glute activation of course and the glutes pulling the lats and also the lats being in such a shortened position because of the amount of extension that you have in the spine i mean that's crazy that's you know and that that is a, such an important part to, to tell about that because um you really have a a real peak contraction on yeah all of the muscle fibers in, in the lats. And that's something you usually don't have it that much in other pulling variations. So to me, it's the best one you can actually do for that. But I would always do that in combination because you can't go on a high volume for that. You can't really overload that. I mean, I have seen only one of our clients who was able to do that with 20 kg plus yep what yeah and that was that was that was sick <laughs> hey but he that it's his movement it's it's his movement huh and to go into other um, variations how about the arch back pull up oh i love that one it's it's such a complex movement you know when you look at it you think it's simple but how many things you act actually have to synchronize, readjust, and actually get in motion so that the movement looks good? It's crazy. You know, you have to think about, right, what is my grip with? Uh, how do my elbows um, go as I pull? Uh, what's my rib cage positioning? What's my scapula positioning? How much extension should I have in the T spine? How much lower body tension should I have? You know, and when you get all of this into this one package and know how to synchronize it and to get into one motion, you have the arch back pull up, you know? Um, and it's important to kind of dis distinguish uh, the arch back pull up and the Gironda pull up. I think a lot of people fall into this trap of thinking that uh, the arch pull up is basically a Gironda pull up, but just having the grip pronated, which simply isn't the case. Yeah, you know, like an arch pull up can also be in a chin up grip or also a neutral grip, you know, and it's still not a Gironda pull up. Mm -hmm. Basically, the arch pull up is different in the sense of having less extension in the spine and thus having less horizontal motion at the end of the motion. Absolutely. You actually have a vertical closing rather than a horizontal one. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's a very important point to to mention that. Um, 
with the Archback pull-up, you definitely have the, I would say, the more healthy variation of a, of a, of a classic pull-up. Mm -hmm. As you don't, you really focus on not falling into the trap of getting this uh, scapular elevation that what you don't want, what you really want to work against that. So again, that's a, a lift that is very important to do. But I would also say that's not the main lift. No. It is again an assistance exercise. Sometimes, depending on where in which which phase you are, you can actually use it as a main exercise. I did that. I do that a lot to get a little bit of stress from from uh, the pulling because you, you will never use as much weight in the arch back pull up as you are doing in a classic normal pull up position because you have to focus on the scapula so much to keep it in a depression it's so hard and this is also why it is so important because the carryover from there into the normal pull up that you are able to put the scapula into this depression to pull it down will help you so much with normal pull up because you don't get into this elevation but will give you a longer way up because you have to pull much more upwards when your scapula is up. The way is longer. And on the other hand, you will activate your lats a little bit less when you go into the elevation. And that's something a lot of people really underestimate how, mu how much important that is when you go into pulling that you actually use the lats the right way. So, to, to, to implement that and learning how to use the scapula and the lats the right way is the most important part when it comes to the archback pull-up. So I would say that's one of the most important pull-ups to use it as, a, as, a, as an assistance exercise to boost performance here. Um, next to stuff like um, the classic horizontal pulling, everybody neglects rowing exercises so much when it comes to pulling people have absolutely no idea how important it actually is to not only do classic oh i do my some, some of my inverted inverted rows and maybe some rowing and maybe some bend over rows and everybody is so much about yeah i do classic rows do some more wide grip rows everybody neglects that and that's actually where the magic is in because that will help you so much to really get these, these um, uh, the, 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 the deltas a little bit more into that. And people underestimate how much they actually have to work during that time when you do a good pull-up. Yeah. In vertical pulling, there is so much of delts work. I mean, it's not so important like a lat or something, but it's one of the weak points usually for a lot of people. And when you look at calisthenic athletes, they always have weak delts when it comes to that. Especially, it's it's not it's not about the, the front delts. It's more, more of, of the, the middle part and the back part of the delts, which is very underdeveloped for a lot of people. And when we work on that a little bit more and we work on this classic really pulling backwards here with, with um, a good retraction, you will also work the upper part of the traps, which is also for a lot of people very misunderstood at that point. It's not underestimated. It's misunderstood how important they can actually be. 
because it's it's not only about lower traps. We don't have to say all the time, trap three, trap three, trap three. It's all of the traps <laughs> that has to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I see is, is sorry for <laughs> all good, all good. What, what I see a lot is people having very tight upper backs. When you put some more horizontal pulling with a wider grip in there, you put some more blood rush through that area, and this helps to get the tension out there. The tonus will go lower, and that's a very important part to keep yourself healthy. Mm. Well, yeah, definitely. Like in this case, the wide grip rows, as you noted, uh, would be a better option. But I think, like in general, a rowing is underestimated for a vertical pulling. Like when you look at it from hypertrophy for hypertrophy reasons, it definitely makes sense. You know, it gives you another opportunity to gather more volume and hit the fibers from a different angle. Uh, but also, um, like, when you row, you basically need to be in this stacked scapular position, mm -hmm. retraction, depression most of the time. And, like, elevation and protraction when it comes to rowing is, isn't so often, you know, it doesn't happen so often. So, from that aspect, could also have some um, carryover to pulling, no? What I have to mention here is, when you want that... Um, hypertrophy, it makes absolutely sense to go a little bit more into the protraction. I'm not talking about elevation. Don't do elevation, but a protraction, getting pulled out of it mm -hmm. and ha be having to pull backwards everything will give more stretch on the lats, which can lead to a little bit more hypertrophy. So hypertrophy-wise, that can actually help a lot. And um, to implement that, from time to time to variate that also is something that is very important to, to not only uh, being the person who can stabilize the scapula in certain positions, but also being able to move the scapula in certain positions. Yeah, now I think for everyone out there who kind of tries to separate, separate and isolate uh, the parts, different parts of the rowing motion, like you have people who start off on this protraction and then go into the retraction and then start to pull, you know, they kind of separate this scapular movement from the movement of the arm. I think that that doesn't make too much sense. Like in some cases, it could be for people who have issues understanding the scapular motion, but just kind of allow the scapula and the upper arm to move in a natural position and a natural yeah. motion, you know, let them move synchronically together in one motion. I think that's, an important one you know i would say that that's so crucial to most people because they're always i have to activate my my scapula first you don't no you don't you you fuck up your system with that that's what's causing injuries that's a big big issue you know that that's something I, we really have to come to an end now but um the the, the point here is to have a scapula that you can actually move freely is the most important part to keep your fucking shoulders healthy. When everything here is in the right rhythm, you stay healthy. When you fuck up that rhythm, you, this will, for most people, lead into injury. You don't want that because there is a rhythm and you fuck that up. 
I first have to activate mana pool. No, that's one motion, man. Have you ever tried to climb up a tree or something? I mean, all the, the things that you do naturally. Oh, uh, first my scapula, up, then the next uh, thing on the tree. Oh, the next stone on that wall. First my scapula, up, then the next. No, it's natural movements. You just climb up. And that's very important to keep that in mind because you're not a machine. You're a human being. You're, you're, even if you, if you would be an animal, it would be different. You know, and we are kind of animal. Fucking animal, animals. Yeah. <laughs> Gorillas. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's the very important point here. Um, to bring that in. I think this is not the last episode that we're going to ha have to. We need more. We need more. We need more of that. We're going to bring that up. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. See you in the next episode. If you like this one and you have some more questions about that topic, feel free to hit us up with some more questions about it. So we can definitely bring them in into the next episode. Hit us up in our Facebook group, the Hybrid Athlete Community, or shoot us a message on Instagram to the Strength and Skills Podcast. Love to hear your questions about the polling. And I see and hear you probably not on the next episode because you're just listening and I love that. Thank you for doing that. So have a, an amazing day. Goodbye. <laughs>